Hey, Joshua Segafis here. On this podcast, I teach men and women how to increase their attraction, level up their dating game, and embrace the alpha mentality. If you're sick of a dating or relationship life that sucks, stick around. This is exactly where you want to be. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Segafis here. Listen, I just opened up my new mastermind tribe, an exclusive community where alpha-minded men and women can get the individualized coaching and guidance they need to truly level up their dating game and embrace the alpha mentality. Find it at joshuasegafis.com forward slash mastermind tribe or check below. You should find a link in the comments. It's free for the first month. And if you believe in anything I say or talk about, this is the ultimate mastermind tribe for you. Go sign up. I'll see you there and we'll crush it together. Now, let's get on to today's episode. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Joshua Segevis podcast. This is the podcast show where we talk about how to increase your attraction, level up your dating game, and embrace the alpha mentality. So today we're going to be talking about the topic, why the player life isn't a long-term strategy. Now, regardless of what you want to call it, you know, doing, um, you know, being a pickup artist, just living kind of like the single, single bachelor life. Um, if you're a man, if you're a woman, you know, if you're a woman and you're kind of more engaged in that, you know, kind of that free, free, casual lifestyle life, you know, whatever you want to call it. There's a reason for why I don't believe this is a long term strategy for people who want to have a, let's say, a fulfilled, satisfied, successful life. And this is a pretty deep um this is a pretty deep topic, and basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay out my reasons for this, and, and I'm going to explain why I say this. And I'm going to start by talking about the very basics of what it means to have a successful, fulfilled life. Okay. Now, this speaks to the meaning and purpose of our life. Now, here's the thing. When you're making a plan for something, it's always a good idea to think about where you'd like to end up. Like, what's the end goal? And then you back engineer from that to figure out how you should set your goals to lead you to that end point, which is the destination, the, the overarching goal of your whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. In this case, we're talking about of life, right? Now, I do want to clarify and say that that isn't to say that you shouldn't do anything but things that lead you to your goal. If life is all work, no play, you know, and, and all tasks and no adventure, then it's not going to be fulfilling either, right? Uh, there's a very slim minority of people who are actually happy with a life that contains no fun, play, or adventure. As a general rule, we do want to do that. And that does fit into this conversation. But I just wanted to clarify that. But all right, let's talk about what the purpose of life is. Now, here's the thing. Everyone is free to have the value system and the purpose that works best for them, that they think is the true way. Now, I'm not here to tell you what to believe as far as what the purpose of life is. I'm not here to try to tell you that you should completely agree with me on what I believe the purpose of life is. However, this is my podcast and I am here to try to share with you information to help you make your dating life better. And I believe that 
the purpose of life is a certain thing, and that's why I believe it. And I believe there's a lot of value in believing it's that way, okay? And I'm going to explain what I believe that is, and then you can take it, you can listen to it, you can think about it, you can disagree, and if you disagree with me, it might also change the way you think about some of the things I'm going to talk about in this episode, and that's totally fine. That's the point of being a a free-thinking human. However, if my views and my beliefs about this resonate with you, well, maybe it'll help you to organize your life better and make it better and give you something to shoot for. And so, you know, in in my 35 years of life, this is what I've discovered and I've come to realize is what I believe is true. Okay. So I have this concept called the ladder of time, and this is how I basically describe success in life. So what is the whole point to my life? Why am I alive? Why am I here? At what point does my life become a success and it ceases to be futile? Okay. Now, having the experience of life in itself is a great thing. So we just, that's just like a bonus, okay? But if you want to be goal-oriented and you want to achieve something in your life, then what do you shoot for? And so I use this concept of the ladder of time to describe that. So basically the ladder of time stretches upward through time. It began at the bottom, which is the beginning of humanity, and it stretches upward. And humanity is climbing the ladder. Our species is climbing the ladder. Okay. And this is kind of evolution as well. We're climbing the ladder and we're evolving as we climb to get better at climbing the ladder. So when you're born, you're part of this collective experience of the human species. And in my way of thinking, the overarching purpose of us being humans and being alive in this time is to not only help our species to climb to the next rung of the ladder in our generation, but to also aid the next generation, and this is evolution, aid the next generation in helping them to reach the next rung of the ladder. Okay, so we have to help our generation in our lifetime and we have to leave behind something valuable that will assist the next generation after we're gone on their climb to the next rung of the ladder. Okay, so these are the the two status points that would need to be checked off the list to say that we've succeeded as humans. Okay, now I also talk well, I haven't talked about this very much because this isn't a concept I've been working on. But I, and this isn't a new concept. It's just kind of my version of it. But I also think a lot about what I call the hero's arc, which is basically the point where we become aware of our purpose in our life. That's when our arc begins. So before that, we're kind of just like a human doing our thing, you know, walking along um, without a care in the world. But then one day we're struck with the realization that there is a purpose and we have the power to create meaning and then we have a responsibility we have a responsibility to pursue that okay so this is the and then we set out on an adventure to create that meaning and to achieve that purpose and i call this the hero's arc so when you become aware of the fact that your life can have a purpose you've begun your hero's arc and then the very first stage of that is to figure out what your purpose is and then you you know, you begin adventuring and having experiences and, and working your way through life and you try to achieve meaningful things, right? Now, I'm sure you're wondering, what does this have to do with living as a player or living, you know, 
like living in the in the wild as I describe it. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make this as concise as possible, though. It, and honestly, it's it's pretty deep, but I'm gonna try to make it as abbreviated as possible. So I believe that there's a lot of evidence, and and I don't just say I believe as in oh I believe that there is evidence out there. I there's actually evidence to show that men and women are better when they're pair bonded with one another. Okay, now this is the first part of this. So from a health and wellness perspective, men and women gain a lot of benefits by pair bonding, uh, not the least of which is the ability to create children and then to provide a stable, safer, more nurturing environment for that child. Okay. Now, when we look at the ladder of time, we see that the most direct and the most obvious way to create a legacy that will not only assist our current generation in climbing the ladder, but also that we can leave behind for the next generation is children, right? This is literally the proliferation of our genetic legacy, and this speaks directly to our evolutionary purpose. The human species seeks to recreate itself through reproduction, and this is why we have romance, attraction, lust, attachment. Um, This is why men and women are drawn to each other in a sexual capacity is because we are driven by this powerful primeval instinct to reproduce and to replicate ourselves. And this helps the human species to continue its climb, right? So children are a direct manifestation of probably the very best and most obvious option we all have to create meaning in the world and to leave something behind that is of note and important to create a lasting legacy of greatness because that's your bloodline. And then when your children have children, your your bloodline and your impact lasts even beyond your generation and the next. It goes on to another generation and so on. So this is very powerful. Having a child and doing it successfully is one of the most powerful acts of legacy that you can be involved in in the in the span of the human species. There's a lot of meaning created in this in this act of reproducing. Now, we all know that having children is risky. In our modern world, it's even more risky. You can you can your relationship can end in, in divorce. You can have medical problems. It can be very expensive. Raising children in this modern society has become very convoluted, and it has become like there's a question of whether or not like there's too much regulation. But then again, of course, our culture wants to protect children, so that's a good thing. And it's just really complicated. There's just no easy way to go about it, right? So it is a lot of work. However, it's very meaningful work, and I believe that for the vast majority of people, this is the most powerful opportunity on the table to leave behind a lasting legacy of greatness if they do it well, okay? And successfully achieve their mandate of climbing the ladder of time and being a success in an evolutionary sense, all right? Now, let's talk about how this fits into the discussion of being a player and why I don't see it as a long-term uh, as a long-term solution to creating actual meaning and purpose in life. Now, 
when we engage in sex outside of the context of a committed relationship, like an agreement, a committed monogamous relationship that's governed by agreements, where we actually have a commitment to become a family, right? Where you join together to be a family unit. Uh, outside of that, I call mating in the wild. So casual sex, flings, hookups, um, you know, group sex, these types of things I would classify as what I call mating in the wild. So this is mating outside of the realm of like the, the, the monogamous, pair bonding, committed human relationship. And don't get me wrong, there's a place for it. In fact, especially for men, there is an argument to be made that men need to go out into the wild and have an adventure and successfully mate in the wild for a period of time in their life before they're ready to settle down. I believe this was evidenced in my own life. I believe that my first marriage was partly doomed by the fact that I didn't know what I was doing. I had literally zero knowledge of mating behavior and how men and women should conduct themselves in, in a relationship or on the dating marketplace. And I got married way too soon, way too early, before I had gone out into the wild, made it in the wild, and had adventures, okay? And this led to me being stir-crazy and, and just not being satisfied with my relationship. I felt like I had settled down too soon. I felt trapped, like a trapped animal who should have been out in the wild. Right? And there's truth to this. I believe that there's truth to this. I think that men need to do this. Now, I also think, and this is kind of funny, I think that on the opposite side of the coin, um, women actually, it's, it kind of goes the opposite way. I think that um, evolutionarily speaking, um, it actually does women a bit more of a service to get into committed relationships earlier. Now, and this all fits together to me. Um, men and women, they mature differently. Men mature at a slower rate. So usually you see older men getting with younger women, right? At least a few years older. So this matches up. This fits together. Men and women also have different core sexual programming. For men, the modus operandi, the evolutionary sexual mandate is have sex with as many beautiful women as possible because at the, and this is the instinct behind it. The instinct is because then you will spread your seed amongst as many hopeful, potential, fertile um, women as possible, and then you'll proliferate your genetic legacy. Now, of course, nowadays, that's not really the strategy. When you go out to mate in the wild, so to speak, that's not really what you're trying to do is make a bunch of kids because what you'll end up with is uh, a multitude of child support payments and it'll ruin your life. However, the instinct that drives men is still very much the same. And there's a point to where men, I believe, need to get that out of their system, okay? I really believe this to be the case. I believe that when men settle down too soon, um, then there's, there's a possibility that this instinct is going to kind of drive them a little crazy. It's gonna, it's gonna become a factor that occupies at least a certain percentage of their thought process, okay? Now, women on the other side of the coin have a slightly different evolutionary um, sexual programming agenda. For them, it's secure the resources, time, energy, and commitment of the highest value man that they can possibly get, get him to commit to her for the long haul so that she can reproduce 
and raise those children up in a safe, nurturing environment, you know, safe from predators, disease, starvation, exposure, etc. So now, obviously, obviously, there's going to be exceptions to the rule, okay? Now, and, and it's also obvious to point out that the biggest reason why there's so many differences between men and women's sexual programming is because women, let's not forget, have a very vital, crucial difference in the fact that they have a uterus um, and the ability to, and they have ovaries and they have the ability to create offspring. This is a fundamental factor about women that cannot be overstated. It sets the tone for everything. It's a valuable resource. Men compete for it. Women try to select the best men to give access to it. And that's that really sets the tone for why men and women have the mating behavior they have, okay? Now, for men, in other words, this is especially an important conversation. It's also interesting note that it's easy for women to be players. Women, um, you know, it's like the... The interesting, the the anecdote that a woman could walk into a bar and, you know, if she's reasonably attractive, probably any man in that bar would agree to go home with her. It'd be, it'd be nearly effortless for her to bring a guy home. Whereas for a guy who's, you know, reasonably attractive, if he walked into a bar, he might have to actually do some work to get even one woman to go home with him. Why is this the case? Because inherently, women bring more default value to the sex sexual marketplace. Women are the selectors and men are the competitors. Women are the vessel that contains the powerful magic of human reproduction. And this this is so indwelled with us instinctually. And this is why men um, all throughout history have pretty much pursued and competed for the attention of beautiful, high-value women. Because beauty represents fertility, okay? And fertility, that's what it's all about. Proliferating your genetic legacy, making the human race live on another generation. This is our evolutionary mandate. The reason for why the human species still exists today is because this drive was a fundamental part of the behavior. And so we're driven to re replace ourselves. This is, a, this is a fundamental aspect of humanity. All right, now let's get to the, to the good part. Why is the player lifestyle, either for men or for, or for women, but this is especially true of men, um, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty true for women too. It's almost as, as true for women as it is for men. Why is the player lifestyle um, not a, a, the best possible long-term strategy? Like why is it not the best long-term strategy? And here's the reason for why. Because if the purpose of all of this, of the human experience, is to climb the ladder of time, then you only have two different options for how to accomplish that. Number one, you can create something so valuable that it's going to live on for another generation. Or two, you can successfully procreate and have children. So these are the two best things. For example, um, Steve Jobs, you know, he created Apple, which outlived him and is helping an entire new generation of people to move into the future with 
amazing electronic devices. We have, a lot of people carry an iPhone, right? So this is Steve Jobs' legacy. He helped humanity to climb another rung on the ladder of time and evolution. However, not everyone is going to create something that incredible, right? Um, artists like Leonardo da Vinci created things that have helped future generations. His artwork has inspired countless future generations, right? Um, there are authors who have written books that have gone down through the ages and have influenced humanity for the better for countless generations. If you look at many of the most prolific holy books, for example, the Holy Bible, well, look at that. The authors who contributed to that, it has lived on for thousands of years and has influenced humanity and um, a multitude of directions. There's an argument to be made that it's caused some damage, but is is it's if you listen to Jordan Peterson, you'll come to understand that Christianity's influence on the Western world has been mostly positive, and it has laid the groundwork for the val an in, an inherent values and morality system that has served humans very well, actually, despite its imperfections. So, so you can't deny that, you know, it's at least something to be discussed, right? You know, something that still impacts the world in a massive way today. So it's moving humanity forward, okay? It's significant. You've created, as Richard Cooper says, who, <laughs> the writers of the Bible have made a dent in the universe, right? You can't deny that. Now, here's the thing. If you want to successfully reproduce, right? And and most people, the vast majority of people aren't probably going to create something so valuable that it'll live on on to new generations. Um, for example, you know, if you are a, let's say, if you're a librarian, this is a very noble um, job. There's nothing wrong with being a librarian. You go in every morning, you open up the library, people come and they read books, and then they return the books, and then you close up for the night, and that is a noble pursuit. That is a very noble way to earn a living, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, the thing is that if you weren't there, someone else would be there anyway, and when you die, someone will just replace you. And yes, you did play a role in helping the current generation because you fulfilled a vital task. But there's a question to be asked, is that going to actually help the next generation to climb? Well, it could be said that people who read the books, uh, they could inspire it. And since you were the librarian, you facilitated the reading of the books. However, we also can't ignore the fact that it's actually true that the library is going to be open anyway. So you're just there kind of performing a basic function that someone else would perform if you weren't there. So if anyone should be credited with impacting future generations, it should be whatever entity funded and founded that library. They are the ones who actually impacted future generations by setting it up and having it you know, outlive them as a resource that's funded and available to the public. So, so do you see what I'm saying? We have to think about legacy in these terms. If you, if you agree with my analogy of the ladder of time and you think that that's, it's a meaningful thing to shoot for, and I think it is. I think it gives our lives purpose and meaning to shoot for something that's, a, that's beyond ourselves, okay? 
And this speaks to living a life of excellence and greatness and value. And let's not forget, when you pursue value, you pursue excellence in life. It makes you more attractive and your dating life is better. And, and this is, I'm telling you, this is fundamental stuff. This is, this is one of the reasons for why dating for me is easy because I've under, I understand that it, it, if I pursue value as a man and chase excellence, that's going to manifest itself in a higher marketplace value by default. I don't even have to think about it. Dating is truly a th- like a it, it, dating is truly an exercise for me that I don't really have to think about or try very hard at because it, all of the value is inborn. I do the work on myself so that you know a positive symptom of that is just dating success and it comes easily. So this is you have to think about this, right? Now Here's the thing. When you go out and you have you begin your hero's arc and you go out and you you mate in the wild. So there's nothing wrong with this. This can be fun. This can be a form of play. It can be a form of experimentation and exploration. And I don't think that there's any reason to judge people who go out and have a bunch of, you know, have a bunch of casual sex with people they don't necessarily intend to marry. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think there's anything wrong with men doing it, and I don't think there's anything wrong with women doing it. However, I do believe that it's not the be-all, end-all, and neither neither is it, nor shouldn't, nor should it be. I'm sorry, I can't even talk today. Um, and here's why. Because if creating offspring and or creating something that's going to outlive you is the goal, then the best way to facilitate that goal is to pair bond with with another exceptional human who you can then work together with and partner up. And then you have the complementary aspects of the feminine and the masculine working together to accomplish something great. And you can accomplish far more when you're joined together with someone who complements you than when you're just walking alone right? Plus there's the, there's so many advantages that come from the pair bonding. They just make life so much better. Life becomes, well, if it works right, and if you do it right, and you vet your partner well, and you choose well, it becomes a much more efficient way to live than to just constantly be mating in the wild, okay? It takes a certain amount of work and risk to mate in the wild. And both of these things um, it, to some degree, can be minimized within the context of a pair bonding relationship. That's not to say the pair bonding relationship is easy. It's actually harder work maintaining a relationship than it is to mate in the wild when you just draw a cost benefit a cost benefit analysis of what it takes to get sex, right? For, especially for men. Um, if if sex is the end goal, it's actually easier to mate in the wild if you're a high value man, and, and it's easier to get it in a relationship, even though it's more work than um, you know if you're a lower value man because you know at least then you have one person who's willing to do it with you. Whereas if you're a high value man, many women would want to do it with you, and so mating in the wild is actually less work and yields better benefits. Now, with that being said. When you think about going through life, you think about trying to create something you're going to leave behind, when you think about leaving a lasting legacy of greatness that's going to impact your generation and future generations, especially if that, if that plan involves reproducing and making children, then 
pair bonding with the children's mother creates the very best possible outcome for that child. And this is a crucial part. You can't just make a kid and set it loose. You, it's in your best interest to make a kid and then to nurture that kid to the age of adulthood. Children have a long dependency. They, they, they're born as little babies and they take, you know, 16 to 18 years to get to the point where they can really do their own thing. They're, and so they're, they're, in the beginning, they're somewhat helpless. And then later on, they think they're smart and they're not, which is maybe even more dangerous than being helpless. So they need care, guidance, supervision. They need to be fed, clothed, protected, right? They need to be sheltered from predators, but they also need to be allowed to explore and to discover for themselves and to socialize. And these are no small, this is no small feat. Most people aren't very good parents, to be really honest with you. Uh, it takes a, quite a bit of education to be a good parent. And it's, it's also true that nobody could really love that child with the same capacity that his parents could. So children who are in split families often end up with step parents who do not care for them to the same level that those parents would care for their own kids. And this is, sometimes this works okay. Sometimes there are wonderful step parents who are amazing parents in lieu of the actual parent being there. But those broken households are never as good as it could be if a mother and a father had a functional marriage or relationship and that child was allowed to live with those parents and to have that kind of fulfilled child rearing experience, that's the best case scenario for a child. And so in order to do that successfully, uh, the man and or the woman must abandon the player life they must abandon their mating in the wild strategy to invest in pair bond with someone and then to move on to a different stage of life the stage of life where they're they're not you know experimenting in the wild anymore but they move into a new responsible purpose-filled chapter of life where they set their sights on walking together toward a greater purpose okay uh they meet in the wild then they build a castle or a fort and that to shelter themselves and their family from the danger that exists in the wild and they set their sights on a grander tomorrow to build their empire and that's how it starts and that's how greatness is achieved and as a player, you might be able to accomplish these things by yourself. You might be able to. However, it can never be optimal, especially with children involved. There's some talk. There are guys in the manosphere who talk about, you know, they, they have such a deep distrust of women that they talk about like how you can legally like pay a woman to carry a child for you and then she basically has no claim to it and guys can like get the child and that way be a single father and then you can quote unquote avoid all of the dangers that women pose to relationships and you can just be a dad and, and have children and you can do it all yourself. And when I hear about that, I think what a bunch of work to avoid what you ought to be doing right? I, I don't agree that there's danger. Like women are no more dangerous than men. Uh, the women initiate 
by far most divorces, like way more than men do. However, it's also true that we're living in a masculinity crisis. So that's, I think, a great deal of a, the part of what's going on. And I talk about that at great length in a lot of my content. I believe that men have forgotten how to be men. And I think that it's been, I've, I believe this 100%. I will live and die on this hill. I believe that when a man lives in true masculine frame, the odds that a woman can, un, can undo him or that a woman would even want to undo him go basically to zero. Women want to be with a man, to partner with a man and to invest in a man who is living in true masculine frame. That is their nature. It is their instinct. And the, the power lies with men to make that work. But so many men don't want to do the work to make it happen, right? So it's a glorious time to be a man. If you can live in masculine frame and you can be a powerful alpha male and you can actually live in accordance with your evolutionary mandate, my God, the world is yours on a silver platter because there are no men who will rise to that challenge. I mean, there are some, but there's such a small minority. Most men are too busy being mad at women, complaining about not getting enough sex, uh, complaining about how the deck is stacked against them, right? And this business of trying to have kids without women in the picture is so bizarre and so wild to me. I just think, where has it gone so wrong? Like, you know, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to rag on that anymore. I'm just. I'm just talking. Anyway, so that that is a conclusion really, of, of my reasons for why I believe the player life isn't a long-term strategy. I believe that having a greater purpose and meaning in life is crucial to living a fulfilled, successful life. And I don't believe that that is as achievable if you try to be single and just made in the wild your whole life. It's also true that at some point you got to start taking life more seriously if you actually want to achieve something. And if you're constantly putting energy into mating in the wild, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like always renting a house without ever actually purchasing one. So it's kind of like you constantly, you're putting kind of some resources into your rental, but you, you're never going to get any equity and you're never going to build anything or have anything. At the end of the day, it's still not yours, right? Uh, not that a woman is yours or that the relationship is yours. However, there's a difference between just banging women in the wild and then actually inviting a woman into your life and then building something with her. Those are two different things. And the latter gives you much greater long-term returns if you do it right. And if you vet the women properly. Okay. So this is, that's what I think about that. All right. That's going to be it for this one. Go with grace, my friends. Never give up your power. This is Josh Segafis signing off. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit www.joshuasegathis.com. Catch you on the flip side.